Okay, bear with me on this one. I'm going to start the show today with a little commentary from Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo. It's a little long, but stick with it because it's going to go to a greater point. And then you have Kenosha, Don. And what's happening in Wisconsin, it's a Rorschach test for where this country is. And I think it probably represents the biggest threat to the Democratic cause. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's Except because that we're reading the, from the same teleprompter. No, I took I'm your not, line. No, you didn't. That's, not, that's all you. That all says, Chris, this is where I come in. But we're, we'll get to that. But when you said it's too little, too late, I don't know about that. I mean, we still have a lot of time left until Election Day. And I do think that uh, this, what you said was happening in Kenosha is a Rorschach test for the entire country. And I think this is a blind spot for Democrats. I think Democrats are ignoring this problem or hoping that it will go away. And it's not going to go away. And so, unless someone comes up with a solution over the next 73 days or 70 so, however many days. 68 days. 68 days. So it's not going to, the problem is not going to be fixed by then. But what they can do, and I think maybe Joe Biden may be afraid to do it. I'm not sure. Maybe he won't. Maybe he is. He's got to address it. He's got to come out and talk about it. He's got to do a speech like Barack Obama did about race. He's got to come out and tell people that he is going to deal with the issue of police reform in this country. And that what's happening now is happening under Donald Trump's watch and on Donald Trump's watch. And when he is the president, Kamala Harris is the vice president, then they will take care of this problem. But guess what? The rioting has to stop. Chris, as you know, and I know, it's showing up in the polling. Mm -hmm. It's showing up in focus groups. It is the only thing, it is the only thing right now that is sticking. And the Democrats tonight stuck with that, right? And they also stuck with the theme that you said. That was 28 days ago. 28 days ago. And where are we now? We are 40 days outside of the election. When Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon had that little conversation, we were 68 days outside of the election. We are now 40 days outside of the election. And has anything changed? Don Lemon opined that it's hurting in the polls, all the rioting and all the protesting. Has it changed? No. No, it hasn't. In fact, the reason I bring this up today is there was a grand jury indictment that came down with the Brianna Taylor case. And I want to get into that today. I'm going to get into some uh, where's Joe, where's some Biden, some Biden news, because this is an election. We are 40 days outside of the election. So I want to talk about that clip here real quick. Not a whole lot of time on it, but give it a little bit because it's a revisit now about a month later and what has happened. Don Lemon opined that the riots were hurting the Democrats, that they've got to do something about it as if they are part of the Democrat Party, which I guess they are because they are a left-leaning news site. They are CNN. This is CNN, which is part of the Democrat Party, apparently. So they're talking about how the riots are hurting. We got to do something. And Joe Biden's got to come out and give a speech, one like Obama did on Barack Obama did on race relations about police reform. Has he done that? No, he has not done that. 
In fact, we haven't heard anything about police reform with Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. I mean, we've heard some rhetoric. We've heard some platitudes. But have they come out and given that speech? Either one of them at this point in time. No, they haven't. A month later, 40 days until the election, and we still got riot after riot after riot. So yesterday, we had a lot of protests and a lot of riots from the Breonna Taylor update. And two officers were shot in Louisville. And the suspect, fortunately, is in custody. But because of these riots, because of what's going on, two officers were shot. Now, Louisville anticipated all this, so much so that they... Um, had businesses close up. They got prepared for the riots. So because they got prepared for the riots, the rioters got prepared to riot. In fact, there's a clip that you can find on um, Twitter of these people removing signs and supplies from a U-Haul truck. So it was all planned. I mean, none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. It wasn't an organic protest. It, it wasn't a spontaneous protest. And the reason why is because they knew. Everyone knew what was going to happen. Everyone knew that this verdict was going to come down. And, you know, regardless of what the verdict was going to be, they were going to riot. I mean, that's come on. You all know that. Everybody knows that. Now, the rioters and people on the left will be saying, well, because of what the city did in anticipation of riots, they knew what the verdict was going to be, that it wasn't going to be in favor of whatever these damn protesters want. Because at this point in time, who knows what the damn protesters want? Because they just riot on a drop of a pin. And that's the problem. So 28 days ago, Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo had their little circle jerk of conversation about how the riots are hurting the Democrats. We are 40 days out of the election, and we still have riots. We had riots in Seattle where a police officer was hit in the head with a baseball bat. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So when will it end? I don't know. I, don't, I, I mean, I'm thinking after Election Day because my— my opinion on this is that a lot of these agitators are paid agitators. And once the election is over, there's no reason to pay them anymore, regardless of who wins. So you'll start seeing it all start changing then. But let's talk about this Brianna Taylor case, because, you know, there is a level of tragedy to this case. But there's also there's also some underpins of this case that really should make everyone pause and we should never have any, none of this should have ever happened based on this case in this case alone. Is it a bad case? Well, of course somebody died. A police officer was shot. Brianna Taylor was killed. I mean, it's bad, but what, what are the details of the case? The courier courier journal out of, of Kentucky uh, did, has done some pretty good reporting on this. So they've gone over some of the timelines, uh, how this went down and what went wrong on this. And it's not what the media and it's not what a lot of these protesters want you to believe, because here's the problem with information today. Information seems to be in a vacuum. People take a little bit of information and they just run with it. And they don't they don't have intellectual curiosity to dig a little deeper to find out what are the facts of the case. They just take police officer killed black person, riot, protest. This is bad. Well, there's always more to the story. Always. And here's here's uh, again the Courier Journal has put together some pretty good stuff here. So let's just start their timelines. And I'll go through how they went through in their reporting 
and uh, you'll have more facts than maybe you did before you heard this show. Uh, you'll have more facts than maybe uh, some of these other people do, definitely than some of these protesters do, because they just are flat out uh, making up facts or just glomming on to whatever it is they want to believe. And that is the problem with most of society is we believe what we want to believe. We don't believe what we don't want to believe because it goes against our own personal nerves. It's human nature. We all do it. I do it. You do it. Everybody does it. But sometimes you got to dig into the facts. Did Breonna Taylor deserve to die? Absolutely not. Was this a case of a, a white officer executing a black person? Absolutely not. So here, here's how it all went down. Now, this case all started with an ex-boyfriend with connections to alleged drug deals. On December 30th, police executed three search warrants in the Russell neighborhood, seizing several guns and narcotics. Among the six people subsequently arrested is Jarmacus Glover, uh, who is Taylor's ex-boyfriend. Okay, so, so we got that, right? So on January 2nd, Using a surveillance cam camera, the police see a white Chevrolet Impala pull up in front of 2424 Elliott Avenue. One of the houses hit with a search warrant a few days earlier. Glover gets out of the passenger side of the car, which is registered to Brianna Taylor. Now she's instantly connected to the drug trade. January 16th, Glover is seen driving to Taylor's Springfield Drive apartment and walking inside. After a brief stay, police see Glover leave with a suspected USPS package and then drives to a house on West Muhammad Ali Boulevard, which was also hit with a search warrant on December 30th. Okay, that's January 16th. On February 14th, and again, they're surveilling this guy now. After an officer tows his car from West Muhammad Ali Boulevard, Glover attempts to file a complaint against the officer. The phone number he gave on the complaint was registered to Brianna Taylor. Again, Brianna Taylor now connected to a known drug dealer. All right, March 12th, warrants are set in motion. Uh, Detective Joshua Jaynes, an officer in the place-based investigations unit of the Criminal Interdiction Division, requests five no-knock search warrants from Circuit Judge Mary Shaw for an ongoing narcotics investigation. All right, so at 12.25 p.m., Shaw signs off on the affidavits for the two warrants for the houses at 2424 and 2425 Elliott Avenue. Six minutes later, Shaw signs off on 2426 Elliott Avenue. And four minutes after that, she approves 2605 West Muhammad Ali Boulevard. All four homes are in this Russell neighborhood. At 1237, Shaw signs off on the search for Taylor's apartment, which is 10 miles away in South Louisville. So now we have search warrants, search warrants to go. These are no knock search warrants to go into Taylor's apartment because Taylor has been seen convorting with the known drug dealer. Uh, in the affidavit for the warrant, James wrote that, this is the officer, Glover's car had made frequent trips to Taylor's Springfield Drive apartment. Glover walked directly into Taylor's apartment on January 16. A U.S. postal inspector verified Glover received packages at Taylor's apartment. That is key. Taylor's car had been seen in front of Elliott Avenue on different occasions. 
So approximately at 9 p.m., Taylor and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, get home from dinner at Texas Roadhouse and giving a friend's kids ride across town. It was Taylor's first night off after a few consecutive days with 12-hour shifts at an ER as an ER technician. They climb in bed and put on a movie. Uh, again, a lot of people are saying that she was an EMT. She was not an EMT. She may have been an EMT in the past, but she was an ER technician. All right, so follow me along the same day. We're still on the same day, which is March 12th. All right, <clears throat> approximately at 10 p.m., police officers are brief on the entry plan for Taylor's apartment. March 13th, all right, this is when the shot was fired. At 12.40 a.m. on March 13th, officers were in place outside of Taylor's apartment and began to knock on the door. After a few blocks, Mattingly said they began to identify themselves as police. The knocking startles Taylor and Walker out of bed, and they began yelling out, asking who is there. Walker said, they did not. They don't hear a response. This is the boyfriend, Walker. They don't hear a response. All right. So after about a minute and hearing no response from inside, police use a battering ram to knock in the front door. Inside, Walker had grabbed his gun as both he and Taylor pulled on clothes and went to answer the door. Again, gone is the, the notion. This is a myth that Taylor was asleep when this happened. She was not asleep. Not that this justifies anything, but that is just incorrect information. Uh, they left the bedroom, back to the story, they left the bedroom and hadn't made it down the hallway before the door comes off its hinges, he said. <clears throat> so at 12.42 a.m., neighbors in St. Anthony Garden Apartments call 911 to report gunshots. Walker says he fired one shot as a warning aiming at the ground, still unable to see and unclear who it is at the door. Mattingly and Detective Miles Cosgrove and Brett Hankinson return fire. 12.43 a.m. Officers on scene called dispatch to report an officer had been shot. Officials say this was the shot Walker fired. Taylor is struck in the return fire by police. So before I go on, what has just happened is the police go to the door. Allegedly, they say they announced who they were. Allegedly, Walker says that him and Taylor didn't hear that. The police batter ram the door down. Walker grabs his firearm, shoots. He says he shot at the ground, but in a, in the in the melee, he shoots a police officer. So he makes that one shot, shoots a police officer in the leg, and the three police officers that are at the door open fire. This is at 1243. <clears throat> at 1247 a.m., Walker calls 911 and says, somebody kicked in the door and shot my girlfriend. At 1248 a.m., Taylor's official time of death. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. 
Now, 10 miles away on Elliott Avenue, police have Glover, her ex-boyfriend. This is Brianna Taylor's ex-boyfriend, who is the alleged drug dealer, the main target of the narcotics investigation, and three of his associates in custody. Officers seize drugs, guns, and cash from the Elliott Avenue properties. The fifth warrant on Muhammad Ali Boulevard is not executed. At 1 a.m., police arrest Walker after commanding him to walk backward as he leaves the apartment. At 1.10 a.m., police Tell dispatch there's a woman inside the apartment. At 1.46 a.m., EMS leave Taylor's apartment complex. At 3.35 a.m., police return with a second search warrant for Taylor's apartment. Inside, they find shell casings and bullets. Police recover no drugs or cash, though they do find mail for Glover. At 3.53 a.m., Sergeant Amanda Sile and Sergeant Chad Tennell of the Public Integrity Unit interview Walker, who insists he didn't know it was police on the other side of the door. Uh, Walker says, the only reason I even had the gun out was because we didn't know who it was. If we knew who it was, this would have never happened, Walker said. All right, the next day at 3.30, or I guess it's that same day, 3.30 p.m., a news briefing, Lieutenant Ted Eidman says officers found an unresponsive woman who was later pronounced dead inside the apartment and that officers were still working through what her involvement was on the narcotics investigation. Uh, police didn't identify Taylor by name. A coroner's news release later named her as the deceased woman. Eidman announces Walker is being charged with attempted murder of a police officer. Police chief Steve Conrad says no body camera footage exists of the shooting. Mattingly, Hankinson, and Cosgrove are placed on administrative lead, which is standard. So there you have it of the day that happened. Now, since then, they have announced indictments. They indicted the police officer um, Hankinson for the shooting, allegedly, and again, we have to say allegedly his point, because he shot his his firearm unloaded the clip. It sounded like, and it went into other apartments where there were civilians, innocent people with their families uh and I, I don't have the details here but apparently so husband wife or a couple and a child they were in there so ha um uh ha officer hankinson has been the one the one he's the one indicted now what you're going to hear from a lot of people and i'm seeing this already from the left is this hankinson was not indicted for beyond taylor's death but indicted for the um the the actions that resulted in harm to people, this including uh, Breonna Taylor. So Hackinson's indictment was basically, and I don't have the legal terms in front of me, but basically because he was um, not being careful and shot into other apartments. So he wasn't indicted for Breonna Taylor's death. That's what has a lot of people upset. I mean, a lot of people upset. So this whole case in my opinion, is tragic on several levels. One is Breonna Taylor got caught up in this because of her past association and current association with a boyfriend, past boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, current friend who is an alleged drug dealer. And it looks like he was using her apartment, and I can't verify this, so it's allegedly, and this is what police were piecing together, that he was still using her apartment <clears throat> for his drug trade. And so what happens is the police need to investigate. So they get all these no-knock search warrants and they execute them around the same time to get everybody uh, in custody so they can get to the evidence and the evidence isn't, um, you know, um, hidden, taken away, destroyed. So they this is common practice. So you do it all at once so you can get all the evidence at once to stop this illegal drug practice trade. So 
Unfortunately, Brianna Taylor gets caught up in this because she's associated with a known drug dealer, allegedly, right? It's her ex-boyfriend, but still a current friend because he's been spotted at her house. So if Brianna Taylor had not been cavorting with these drug dealers, so to speak, would this have happened? Probably not. If she broke off the relationship with this alleged drug dealer and um, he wasn't coming over to her apartment, would this have happened? Probably not. But should it have happened? That's the key. Now, the city of Louisville has awarded the family $12 million. So there's a settlement of $12 million. Now, so the family has been compensated for the death of the daughter, which is there's never enough compensation for the death of a child. I couldn't imagine the pain that the family went through. I wouldn't want to go through it. You don't want to go through it. And his family surely didn't need to go through it. Now, if the drug dealer was the one that was killed, I would have a lot, of, a lot less empathy for the whole situation. But here is ultimately why this happened. It's our inane war on drugs in this country that led to this. There is no reason why there should have been a, this, that the Breonna Taylor should have been killed. Her death is completely unwarranted, whether or not she associates with a drug dealer or not. Now, she put herself in the position because she did, and she allowed him to come over. And unfortunately, unfortunately she got caught up in this. Now, her boyfriend good, bad, or indifferent. You know, if somebody's banging on my door at one in the morning, I'd do the same thing. I would have grabbed my firearm. I would have done the same thing. Now, whether or not they heard him say police, whether or not the police heard him say, who is it doesn't matter because that's the heat of the moment. And then the police, they knock down the door, a shot fires out, they unload their firearms, which is pretty common practice, right? You, you neutralize the threat. The tragedy here is this inane war on drugs that we have in this country. You want to end this kind of stuff. You want to end this, this practice. You want to end this, this, these petty criminals getting caught up because of their drug use in police brutality. Legalize drugs. Stop this stupid, ineffectual war on drugs. It's not working. It's simply not working. If you want, here's the thing. If you want to, if you want to control the drug trade in this country, if you want to minimize people getting hooked on drugs in this country, first of all, that's not your right. That, if, if you want to take drugs, that's on you. If you decide that you want to be a junkie, guess what? That's on you. If you harm other people, you should be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. But if you want to harm yourself by taking drugs, again, my opinion, this is a libertarian streak in me, that's on you. More power to you. But if you want to, if you really are committed in this country to stopping the destruction that drugs have on people and their families, legalize it legalize you want to you want to destroy a product you let the government step in and regulate it that's the best way to destroy products in this country and if we continue to 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 have this ineffective war on drugs people are going to continue to get killed in situations like this that they should not be in they should this should have never happened I mean, if drugs were legal, this alleged ex-boyfriend is a drug dealer, I bet you, I bet you he would never have been a drug dealer. He wouldn't have been able to afford it. He wouldn't have passed all the regulations. 
And and get this, you wanna you wanna destroy the drug trade by you again, let the government regulate it, and you'll see the potency of the drugs fall. This happened in Colorado after they legalized marijuana. A lot of the college students were all upset because it wasn't as potent as what it was before. Now we have a drug problem in this country. We do. There's no doubt. And we have a lot of people that take drugs to escape whatever. But we have a problem with alcohol in this country. That's legal. So you put the same restrictions along illegal drug use or drug use, whether it be marijuana, whatever, even the hard stuff, maybe some of the stuff like fentanyl, that's a whole different. Those designer drugs, that's a whole different thing. Again, regulate it. Regulation will destroy the drug trade. The government's not winning. The government's losing the drug trade. Why do we continue to go down this path, spend all this money on a process and program that simply is not working? You know, up until the 1920s, drugs were legal in this country. Heroin, cocaine, it was all legal. And contrary to what Coca-Cola wants you to believe, yes, there was cocaine in Coca-Cola when it first came out. It was used as medicinal purposes. People would take cocaine. Oh, I feel much better. Well, yeah, buddy, it's cocaine. But over time, the effects wear off and people go, well, this is not really curing me. And they don't take it anymore. I know, I know. People are going, E, what about addiction? Well, we have addiction. It's still, it's happening now. I mean, people are addicted to drugs. What do you think legalizing it's going to do? One, what it's going to do is, again, have the government regulate it. It's going to destroy the crop. All right, you want to destroy a product? Let the government get involved. And then think of the tax revenue that'll be involved. I mean, government will make a ton of money at first, but then it'll dry off because most people will try the drugs, won't have the effect that they desire and not do the drugs. Now, again, that maybe that's a utopian mindset that I have on it, but at this point in time, I can't see how not legalizing drugs doesn't have huge benefits. Let's talk about the black community. We constantly hear about the black communities in jail because of marijuana possession this or small amounts of drugs that. You look at the Breonna Taylor case, it's a perfect example. If drugs were legal, that this would never have happened. None would have never happened. Would it have changed the George Floyd thing? No, it wouldn't have. Or would it? Or would it? George Floyd was hopped up on fentanyl. Fentanyl's some bad stuff. Now, chances are fentanyl, that's going to be one of those class A drugs that'll be regulated heavily by the government. And you'll have a hard time finding it. And it'll probably, you know, it, there is a possibility by legalizing these drugs, they're not marketable anymore and they won't be out on the street because it just doesn't make sense financially for the drug dealer. And then you get rid of all the drug dealers who are doing it illegally. Now the legal drug dealers come in. Stuff like fentanyl may not be as potent and desirable as it was before, but let's let's say it is. Let's say for argument's sake, George Floyd, would it have changed the George Floyd situation? No, it would not have. Because George Floyd was hopped up on fentanyl, and as that officer had his knee on his neck, George Floyd's body crashed and burned because he was so far hopped up on drugs. But guess what? That was George Floyd. Floyd's decision. He made the decision to do all those drugs to put that in his body. And, you know, the sad part is that there were all these riots afterwards because this guy was a drug addict. So I'm not saying legalizing drugs would get rid of all the crime. I'm not saying legalizing drugs would solve all the problems in the black community. But in this particular case, the Breonna Taylor case, it would have completely prevented this death. Now, 
with that said, Brianna Taylor, I'm sorry. I really am sorry for what happened to her. Uh, she pro- she didn't deserve to die. I was about to say probably, and that was the wrong word. She didn't deserve to die. Um, were these officers in the wrong? I don't know. I don't have all that information. Um, the one that has been indicted for negligence, maybe maybe he went a little too far firing his firearm. I think it was 11 times. I think 11 shots were rung out. But here you are in the middle of the night, police officers issuing a no-knock warrant on a suspected drug uh, haven, if you will. Maybe that's the wrong word to use, but anyway, connected with drugs. So their their adrenaline was already hopped up. So maybe that's part of the problem as well. So here's what happened in the um, Brianna um, $12 million settlement is the city did agree for some police reform and they're going to stop. One of those police reforms was going to stop issuing no-knock warrants. I, I don't think that's the right I, uh, right answer either. I mean, there's a reason why you issue a no-knock warrant is so you can catch the bad guys in the act so they don't destroy evidence. So it doesn't warrant all the rioting. It doesn't warrant two police officers being shot. It does warrant, however, a conversation. But this whole nonsense, and it is nonsense that say her name. Okay, Brianna Taylor, I said her name. Now let's talk about it. There's, there's more to it than just saying the individual's name. There's talking about what happened. There's talking about she put herself in a situation to an extent. I don't believe she's responsible for her own death. But Candace Owens, I know, just came out with a tweet basically saying that if these people weren't involved in criminal activities, they wouldn't be in the situation they were. She named Breonna Taylor. She named George Floyd. She named Jacob Blake. Uh, she named Rayshard Brooks. She has a point. It's harsh. She has a point. But Brianna Taylor is probably the one that has the least amount of blame in this. She was cavorting with known drug dealers, alleged drug dealers, I guess I should say. So she put herself in a situation that sense, but she didn't deserve to die over this. But now you have the facts. Now you have more information than most people that are spewing this nonsense and have no idea what they're talking about. There's more to this case than Black Lives Matters. There needs to be a discussion on this. I'll talk to you in the next segment.